Hello and welcome. I'm Veena, your sonneneer in this podcast series called Thriversity. I'm a lecturer in the Richview Residential College at the National University of Singapore. Each week during the semester, I'll be sharing some stories and tips as we explore the art of overcoming adversity, dancing with diversity in university and beyond. Let's dive into today's episode. How is everyone? I am pretty sure a sizable population of you are feeling great right now that exams are over this week. Now, for those of you who are still having exams, hang in there. Since many of you are probably celebrating, I thought in this podcast episode, we will be focusing on the emotion of joy and your well-being. That's probably a nice balance because in the last podcast episode, we talked about dealing with anxiety. So it's nice to have a bit of yin and yang. Now, this podcast episode was inspired by one of the classes that I conducted on communication and emotional intelligence. In that class, we were doing a gingerbread person activity where students were invited to visualize and express how emotions feel on the body. I remembered a remark made by a student where he said, well, he doesn't know how happy feels on his body because it's been a long time since he felt it. He also said that he feels like life is like a flat line that dips when he feels the lows, but it doesn't really go to the highs. I reflected on what he said after class, and you know what? I think he has a point. This lows and dips and how we feel is part of the human experience where we naturally gravitate to negative thinking. Because this is what our prehistorical ancestors had to do for survival. Right? They had to hone in on what is negative around them because these are the things that threaten them. And paying attention to all these threatening things mean that they can avoid danger. For example, if you have eaten a polka dot mushroom and that gave you a tummy ache once, that sticks to your mind and your memory more than eating a similar looking mushroom that tasted fine. You are not going to take the risk next time. And you look at all polka dot mushroom with suspicion. So once you frame something negatively, it really sticks. This negativity bias, according to Alison Ledgerwood, who is a UC Davis professor of psychology, this is part of a natural brain wiring. The negativity bias, also known as the negativity effect, is the notion that even when of equal intensity, things that are of a more negative nature, like unpleasant thoughts or emotions or social interactions or harmful and traumatic events, this will have a greater effect on your psychological state and processes than neutral or more positive things. She said that pervasive negative bias will diminish over your lifetime, especially in your 70s. And I was like, what? Let's not wait so long. What can we do now to savor joy and well-being in our lives? 
Now, I love this quote by Professor Richard Boyatzis, who is considered an expert in the field of emotional intelligence, behavior change, and competence. He says, You need the negative focus to survive, but a positive one to thrive. And this podcast is all about thriving. So let's switch our focus now to talk about well-being. Joy, an example of well-being. Joy does not naturally come to us. Joy is something we have to work hard on. It's something we have to train our brain for because we are taking into account our negativity bias. Having a negativity bias is part of our natural brain wiring, but savoring joy is not as natural. So it's something that we have to work hard on and concentrate on. Joy is an inside job because it comes from how we manage our thoughts and emotions. And we can develop a greater capacity for joy by training our mind to look for the good constantly by intentionally choosing the thoughts that create the feelings of joy. You have to actively look for things to celebrate and make sure that we are mindful about what we concentrate on. Now, I'm also trying to train myself out of this negativity bias and it's really a work in progress. Now, in the past, I used to think that I have bad days, but now I just rewire and reframe and I think, oh no, I don't have a bad day. I just have bad moments in the day. And then I make sure that I'm intentional about recalling or remembering parts of the day that are full of such amazing things. And sometimes we forget about amazing things or we just brush them off. But remembering that you have both bad moments and also good moments will help you to train your brain to look for joy. And this increases your well-being. Our well-being doesn't just come from choosing thoughts carefully and intentionally, but also from the actions that we take. Do you guys remember the STEER model? If this is the first time that you're listening to this podcast series, then I just want to share a little bit about the STEER model. The STEER model helps you, it's a mental model that helps you to get from where you are now to where you want to be. So S stands for situation, which impacts our thoughts. T. So thoughts are something that you choose carefully. So even if you have the same situation, we can always reframe and choose the thoughts that are more empowering to us. Because thoughts influence E, our emotions. And our emotions influence the next E, our execution of something. How we do things or whether we do them or not are all impacted by our emotions. Then your execution, E, impacts R, your results. Yeah, so S-T-E-E-R. Now, if we want to have this emotion of joy, what kind of thoughts and execution of what actions 
can bring about that feeling of well-being. As an act of homage to my economics major, I found this evidence-based article, Five Ways of Well-Being from the New Economics Foundation. I love their description and what they stand for. They call themselves an independent think-and-do tank, as opposed to a think tank, that inspires and demonstrates real economic well-being and aims to redefine wealth. This report is more UK-based, but I do think that it can have universal appeal, so I'm just sharing some of their findings with you. Now, here's what the report suggests as the five ways of promoting well-being. Right now, all your exams are done. You have a lot more time on your hands, so I would really encourage you to take part in one or more of these uh, five ways of promoting well-being. The first way is to connect. Now, you might feel that with the end of the semester, it could be a good time for you to reconnect with family and friends that you haven't met in a while. Due to COVID, we have had so many restrictions on meeting up. But as phase three is opening up, do find time to schedule meeting up with people who you love. I would suggest Zoom with those who you can't meet. For example, they are overseas. But I'm guessing after a whole semester of online learning, you are suffering from Zoom fatigue. Now, humans, we are social creatures and our relationships will impact our happiness. So don't be shy about reaching out to others because sometimes we wait around for people to contact us when sometimes it's just Good to get outside our comfort zone and ask other people out too. The second way to recommend is for you to be active. Exercise releases feel-good chemicals called endorphins, produced by the nervous system that is responsible for boosting happiness. The study calls for moderate physical exercise three to five times a week. Now, many of you are in interest groups like Frisbee that allows you to be active, which is great. For some of you who have been doing online lessons the entire semester and only get to exercise, like going for a walk from your room to the laundry area or the dining hall, at this time, close your laptops. Just take some time to go on a walk, you know, in, in nature or do paintball with your pals, dance, get that body moving. Oh yeah, also, since we have walk for rice, you might want to do this exercise of just going on a walk and tracking the amount of kilometers that you have done to be able to help donate to a cause. On the subject of paying attention to the body, I also like to practice laughter. I laugh or giggle at so many things and some of these things may not be funny, but I laugh anyway. You know, of course, not at someone or at someone's misfortune. But I do think that laughter is like punctuation to breathing. And actively look for opportunities to laugh. Sometimes I just open up YouTube videos and I just laugh at a funny clip and it makes me feel so much better. Now, here's a secret. I don't care if anyone thinks I'm weird for laughing. I think laughter is really good as long as 
it's not in a mean way directed at anybody else. Okay, number three. Third way of fostering well-being is to take notice or to be aware. Sometimes when we are rushing about and distracted, we miss living in the here and now. Like I love looking at the fish pond outside Block G and noticing water levels at different times of the year, you know, uh, or looking at the fish. It's all about being mindful and being fully present in what we're doing and experiencing. I remember a time when I tore my ligament and although that was a very stressful time, that was also quite a peaceful time because I could go slowly. Right? I had to walk slowly and I noticed certain things like flowers along the pathway. So these are some of the ways in which you can take notice and be aware and it does promote your well-being. I was inspired by a podcast person called Tanya Lee and she said she expresses gratitude for even the small things. Like in the mornings, she will have this thought. She's like, oh, look, the sun came up and I didn't even have to do anything to make it happen. And so I love that. Like, how often do we take the simple things for granted? Number four of promoting well-being. Now, this method I love. It's keep learning. I also have a podcast episode talking about the benefits of self-education. It's nice. I love it. Try something new or rediscover an old interest. You can always pick up a new hobby or skill. And you guys know you always have free access of LinkedIn Learning as a workplace readiness student. Many studies have shown how adult learning has been correlated with positive effects on well-being, reports of life satisfaction, optimism, and efficacy. Like for example, right, I am new to podcasting and I'm learning so much and it's a fun journey for me. So keep learning. The last way of promoting well-being is to give. Give of your time, energy, or resources. You can volunteer. You can thank somebody. Give a kind smile, or if it's one of your love languages, give gifts. A sense of contribution to a wider community can be a reward in itself and will foster connections with the people around you, which really is a nice reinforcement of the loop back to the very first method of well-being, which is to connect with others. Now, this is a mouthful, but if you want to know the science behind this, I'm going to read out a line from the report, which says, Neuroscience has shown that mutual cooperation is associated with enhanced neural response in reward areas of the brain, which indicates that social cooperation is intrinsically rewarding. Now that we are on a winter break, I hope that these thought management tips and five ways of well-being can give you more ideas on expanding your options for bringing more joy and well-being in your vacation time. As always, thank you for listening to the Thriversity Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast to get the latest episodes sent directly to you 
and do leave a review so that more people know about what we do here at RVRC. <laughs>